I'm divorced and uh, it's certainly not one of the things I ever thought I would have to, to do in my life. It's an yeah. experience that, you know, you don't get into marriage thinking that you're going to get divorced. So yeah. uh, being divorced, you know, in a community like ours and for the kind of person that I am, or at least a lot of people perceived me to be, uh, it was a shocker for most people. Yeah. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Anya Fombat, and I spark the heart conversations that challenge questionable cultural and societal norms that threaten the well-being of the African community. And I also share stories about growing up as Africans in Africa and in the diaspora. I strongly believe that normalizing open discussions and sharing experiences, whether good or bad, will not only make you find your voice, but will broaden your sense of purpose and empower others to do the same. So if you have ever tried challenging certain African cultural and societal doctrines, or if you have ever felt like it is about time that we confronted these issues in our African community and do better as a people, or even if you have always been interested in learning about the experiences of other Africans growing up in Africa and the diaspora, then you are in the right place. Welcome to Living African. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Living African. Today, I have with me Edmond Ade. And Mr. Edmond is Cameroonian. And I am super excited to talk to him today. For one, because on this platform, not many African men tend to come and speak about their story. Most of the times we have women talking. And so when I have a man and particularly a young man come up to speak on this platform, I am extremely grateful and excited to have that conversation because it does not only show us a different side of our African men that they're able to also be vulnerable, but it also serves as an encouragement to really motivate other men to come up and speak up. So I am extremely grateful that you were here with us today. Edmund, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Anya. Thanks for having me. Uh, Thank you. Share some ideas. So yeah. Sure, sure, sure. I'm super excited. Like I said, now I will give you the floor for you to talk about what actually we will be talking today. You know, I want you to really take control in this uh, conversation. Okay, great. So uh, look, I'm I'm divorced, and uh, it's certainly not one of the things I ever thought I would have to to do in my life. It's an experience that. You know, you don't get into marriage thinking that you're going to get divorced. So yeah. uh, being divorced, you know, in a community like ours and for the kind of person that I am, or at least a lot of people perceived me to be, uh, it was a shocker for most people. Yeah. You know, a lot of people did not see that coming. You know, there's just a lot of things happening in the relationship that people didn't know about. And for me, it, you know, that was obviously seen as a failure. Like yeah. A major, major failure. And it, it caused me to to just sit back and reflect and meditate and, and research yeah. around a lot of different things and dynamics about the kinds of things that went down in that relationship yeah. and why it cannot end up, you know, not working out, if yeah. you can call it that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for me, I want to be able to share some of those ideas because for me, it's about challenging certain mindsets. Yes. There are certain mindsets that we get into in relationships that 
uh, ultimately, you know, create dysfunctional relationships. And I think our our way of growing up or our upbringing doesn't re- do not really give us the opportunities to be better human beings, be able to relate better. And I think we've, we 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 sweep a lot of things under the carpet. Oh yes because of so many different kinds of stereotypes. So today I'm hoping to be able to challenge some of those and ultimately be able to get people to think about quite a few things which would challenge their mindsets, would change their mindsets, or at least force them to, to question some things before they get into to marriage. Yes, I am super excited for that, honestly. And I can't wait for us to dive into everything because I feel like you don't only have a story, but you really, really have a message to pass on to our community, both men and women. And I really look forward to our audience, you know, getting a hang of everything that you have to tell us about. Now, let's take it a little bit, a few steps back. Can you please introduce yourself to the audience for them to really know you personally? I know you are Cameroonian, you're from Cameroon, but can you please tell the audience a little bit more about you? Yes, sure. Thank you. So I am uh, Edmund Ade. I'm a certified financial planner. I'm normally based in South Africa, uh, where I run a private practice there as a financial planner and wealth manager. But I also do other things. I am also an investor, an entrepreneur, as well as independent corporate advisor. I have spent time in the UK. I lived in the UK for about five, six years before moving to South Africa, and I've been in South Africa eight, nine years. Currently, I am in Cameroon, but I do shuttle between South Africa and Cameroon, so awesome. I get to experience different cultures. So Best of both worlds. <laughs> yes, so I'm a newly single dad <laughs> with two boys, nice. an eight-year-old and a six-and-a-half-year-old, so yeah. Nice. Thank you so much for for that introduction. Now, let's just dive straight into it, right? I know you mentioned that you are recently divorced, Sorry about that. Divorce is never a good thing. Divorce is never an easy thing as well, you know. So I look forward to us having a conversation more on that. But let's start with the relationship or the marriage dynamics, right? So basically, do you mind just walking us through the start of the relationship and, you know, just a few factors that led to the outcome, the unfortunate outcome, basically, Okay. Yeah. So we, 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 we knew each other back in university, Cameroon. So we were more like acquaintances. We were mm-hmm. not necessarily friends. Or at least I wouldn't define that as, you know, proper friendship in, in what in my book would constitute friendship. But we, we knew each other then. Um, then I moved to the UK post-uni after working in Cameroon for a few, about three years. I then went to the UK where I did a master's degree there. After the UK, I was working in one of the banks in the UK and then... We got in touch through, uh, back in the days, you used to have, uh, they call it high five, I think. Yeah, That's high five. Yes. High five and MySpace. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Before Facebook and like right. So, yeah, so back in touch. And so we had this long distance relationship. She was based in South Africa. She, you know, she's Cameroonian as well. So, and and so we, we started talking. And we, 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 we kind of had courtship for close to three years, but it was mostly long distance, but in between the time we, we we had you know trips to and fro South Africa UK to get to know each other and uh, and for the most part I thought it was a very normal courtship there was hardly you know I mean this in this day and age people talk about red flags and all yeah there were usually one or two red flags I guess just about everyone has a red flag yeah. if you ask me and it's a question of whether you can cope with it yeah cope with and it and I think. Uh, I, I kind of overestimated my ability to cope with one or two things that I kind of noticed, you know, yeah. during courtship. Um, there's also the question back around, you know, your gut feeling or, you know, your instinct. 
And there's always yeah. that sense, you know, I kind of felt like, okay, did I really trust my gut feeling around this or did I go against my gut feeling? But ultimately, I'm a very logical human being and uh, the, the, the logic and everything around did not support whatever gut feeling I had. So I went with the logic. And I think one of the dynamics that uh, would have thrown, you know, headwinds to the relationship would have been the fact that I, I decided to move from the UK to South Africa. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's where challenging stereotypes start, right? Because the African man doesn't necessarily do this. Um, at the time, a lot of people were asking me the question, how can you leave the UK? You're working in a bank and you're moving to South Africa to join, to meet your wife. But I thought she had a good job and uh, she was comfortable. And for me, it made sense because um, why would I want her to move to the UK when it would be a bit more challenging for her to yeah. integrate in that system and, and, and find her feet? So I felt, you know what? At least I'm coming back to my continent. Uh, it's South Africa. It's a good place to live. And uh, yes, it will be challenging initially, but I trust myself to be able to to walk around that. So, so I moved to South Africa and um, and then I became self-employed. And I think that's a dynamic as well that's important in that conversation because yeah. the self-employed thing wasn't something I was necessarily prepared for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it threw a few extra dynamics into the relationship in terms of household income, right? So she was working, I was in, or I was self-employed, trying to build a financial advisor practice from scratch. I knew literally no one in South Africa mm-hmm. and starting from scratch and trying to build that was a tall order. Uh, so the first few years, it wasn't lucrative, of course, you know, it takes time to build these kinds of things. And I, I wasn't necessarily prepared for that personally. And of course, the relationship itself wasn't even prepared for that. So those, those dynamics were there. Um, and I started creating, you know, certain sort of kind of discord, you know, between us ultimately. Uh, but I can also, I can only articulate this now after reflecting, you know, when, yeah. when you are in that dynamic, that's not exactly what you see or feel. Yeah. You know, my expectation at the time was, well, she would know that. I mean, if I resigned from the bank, it's not because I was desperate. I felt it was the right thing to do for us, for the family, yeah. to be together. I decided to take the sacrifice. And so, and I guess from the beginning, she was supportive of that, you know? I guess one of the things that did not necessarily, we both didn't see coming was how long it would take for me to, you know, find my feet in South Africa. So that that obviously brought, you know, certain dynamics into the relationship that we didn't yeah. plan for. And so, yeah, I moved to South Africa 2013. We got legally married there. Prior to that, we had married, in, we got married in Cameroon, uh, traditionally, so, and ours was a kind of relationship where most people, well, at least what I hear now, most people looked at, look up to as the, you know, they, how do they call it? The power couple kind of thing. Yeah. You know, so, so it looked like the perfect relationship from the outside. Okay. So, um, you know, two hardworking people, she was very hardworking, you know, mm-hmm. very intelligent, very, very beautiful as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and very well known, you know, in the community that back then in South Africa. So, mm-hmm. so me coming from the UK, not a lot of people knowing me. And uh, of course, no one can vouch for me, right? Yeah. But, but there were all of those different kinds of things. And so what it meant was I just had to stay put, stay, you know, below the radar and try and work out some things. So that's the kind of dynamic that we had as, you know, going into that relationship. Wow. It's like you've said so many things that... You know, I was just nodding because I could literally relate to them at different parts of my life, you know, and not necessarily only with respect to me, but 
like also with respect to the people in my life, you know, I for one have been in a long distance relationship before and that is difficult. It's extremely difficult. It's difficult and it's also a risk, especially if let's just say that you have never known that person in that to that level. I mean, she was your acquaintance, right? But you had never known her intimately, like romantically, basically until you were away like it started when you guys were away from each other you know that could either go both ways right it could either go right or left because i've come to learn that knowing somebody as a friend is extremely different than knowing them as a partner as a romantic partner like those are two extremely different dynamics you can think oh yeah i've known this person but (laughs) relationship wise or even marriage wise is totally different and i would probably think that that kind of maybe affected uh, certain aspects of the marriage as well especially when it's like yeah you've been in a relationship with them long distance for so many years but like when you're moving to stay with them it's kind of like starting over (laughs) it's like a new thing you have to learn each other to live in each other's space all over you know you have to learn what they like what they don't like you have to you know so many things you have to learn if their routine goes with yours and things like that so that's a difficult part about long distance but there are also other good things about that now talking about moving you know the fact that you moved and you know like what you said about you know in the african community it's usually the woman that is expected to sacrifice her location or her job or whatever and move you know that was very commendable you know when you were talking about that it just reminded me of uh, the dynamics that my mom and dad have You know, growing up, my mom, actually, she started working for the United Nations in her late 30s. By then she had four kids. Right. And my dad had to basically be the mom and dad for the most part when my mom was away because she was traveling a lot, you know, and it it was when I say traveling a lot, she was gone (laughs) and she she probably came to visit us. I mean, she probably saw us like three weeks out of a whole year. That's when she had her leave. Yes, that's what I mean. You know, and I mean, even when she was gone, she was traveling into different uh, countries, you know, for work and stuff like that. And I can, you know, I can remember vividly a lot of people in the community were just talky, 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 chit chatty, you know, oh, yes. my mom is abandoned, have four kids. Oh, my dad is a weak man. How can you let your wife go and leave you alone? Or, you know, even with my mom away, you know, some people mm-hmm. were probably like, oh yeah, you're leaving your husband away for other people, whatever, you know. I remember, yes. I don't even know, well, dad, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know who I heard that from. Probably you or mom. Let me gossip a little bit. <laughs> so yeah, I remember it it was like at one point my dad went to the bank and you know he went to get money I, I think my mom wanted he wanted to do a transaction for my mom because they had the same bank account and I you know it's kind of interesting that you know this just goes to emphasize that your upbringing really really impacts your outlook on life because all through I had always known that you know like husband and wife they both have the same bank account until I grew up and I'm talking to my friends and they're like oh no that's not common in the African community like my mom and dad they don't have the same bank account or whatever because my dad actually went to do something at the bank and then the bank teller was literally insulting my dad that how can he have the same bank account which kind of man (laughs) oh my god I didn't even know how he said he said it in pigeon of course but he was like you know 
what kind of man is this? You know, why will you let give access to your wife, you know, to see how much you make or something, you know, like, so it's just that, like I said, shortly before we started recording, it's just this aspect of male chauvinism in our community. You know, like the, the man has to always be the one to call the shots and do everything when it has, like the man has to have, only the man should have that authority, right? Like left to the bank teller, my dad should definitely not have even given access to my mom to see the funds or whatever, you know, but that's just how it's been. That's how they have, have, you know, maneuvered your marriage per se, and it's worked for them, you know? And so it's kind of interesting because I honestly thought men, like the husband and wife, they have the same bank account, you know, it's a family and stuff, but that's not the reality. But then again, men are being looked as weak for doing things as such, you know, or at least just doing things their own way that would give the woman some kind of leverage or freedom, you know, in the marriage or in the household, you know, in our community, people still look down on that. So, you know, I'm really glad that you're bringing out this little, little things that you were doing to let people know that this is possible. And I mean, I hope especially the egoistic men don't think, oh yeah, because you did all of these things, that's why your marriage did not work. That's way far from that. That is way far from that, actually. In fact, if you want your marriage to work, then do that, actually, you know, because maybe the reason why the marriage didn't Sorry? I'll say this to you. I've heard that already. So don't worry. I've heard everything, like every kind of thing. And as a society where people think that, you know, and they get into stuff that they, they know very little about. We don't spend time to really, really think through things. Right. Before we make things. Uh, people are just, who don't know what they don't know. Yes. People are ignorant. Yes. A lot of ignorance. And there's a lot of stereotypes that we carry on from generation to generation. And challenging those stereotypes is, is very, very, very difficult. I mean, True. I am currently grown and, and I have these conversations as often as I can with men, my brothers, yes. and, you know, not about every man I can admit. And, and it's shocking what you hear. And, and it takes a different kind of transformed man, and I believe I am, um, to, to be able to hold that conversation and not feel intimidated. Yes. As a society where the values, the things that are supposed to be, you know, considered a real man. Yeah. We don't see pushing those, you know, the real values of, of honesty, loyalty, integrity. Those are the things that make a man, not the chauvinistic things, you know? Yeah. Uh, oh, two yes. human beings deciding to share their life together, they're in a partnership. That partnership is, you know, of equal status. Yeah. Uh, the, yes, the, the man is called upon to lead that situation, mm-hmm. but what kind of leadership is expected? You know, the leadership that's expected is kind of what we call the servant leadership. So mm-hmm. you lead by example, right, in, mm-hmm. in so many ways. And, and, and part of it is also applying wisdom in your particular circumstance. You know, it, it, we could have gone, you know what, let me stay in the UK after I'm working in a bank and, and, you know, I just need to build my career and be the man. And then, of course, she would have decided, okay, I'm also doing a great career in South Africa, so why should I move? And then ultimately, it shouldn't have worked out, right? It would yes. have even happened. Uh, but I don't think that that's the reason why it didn't work out. I think that's just beyond the point. You know, that dynamic was there it has not necessarily any reason to why it didn't work out. Yeah. You know, we have to let separate things, you know, it's, it's very easy for people to try and, and link things and, and, you know, the whole cause and effect thing. It's not that straightforward. You can't yeah. just say, because I moved from the UK to South Africa, that's why. No, you know, you could also argue, maybe I shouldn't have gone seven pressure away, but there were other dynamics around that. It's not mm-hmm. as if I could have taken a job wanted to. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were certain restrictions around visas and all that that didn't even allow yeah. me to do that initially. Yeah. And so then I got into a, 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 you know, a kind of career path that I didn't really plan. 
Mm-hmm. And I think, I guess I didn't really know myself fully. You know, if, if I think about it now, I didn't really know myself fully. And, and so I started to really discover myself and my passion, you know, by once I became self-employed and I loved it. And I kind of still love it. I mean, I'm still doing that to today. Yeah. But I think, like I said, we're not actually ready for the dynamics that we throw in. Yeah. And ultimately the, the kinds of strives that we're talking about, mindsets coming in about, yes. okay, now you're not putting your weight, you know, uh, you know, we expected this, it hasn't happening. Maybe you should change and go and do something else, go and get a job, you know? And then of course, at that point, I'm beginning to really love what I'm doing and I'm going, no, I don't just, I don't just want to work. I want to, to try and just do what I love. Right. And ultimately it will work out. So you had those kinds of things. And then those things start to filter through into the dynamics of the relationship in terms of the interpersonal relationship, right, between the two of us. So so things like, of course, some kind of some level of disrespect comes in, you know. Yeah. Whether it's intentional or not, you know, it's difficult to say. But ultimately, I guess some mindsets have to play with that, right? Yeah. Um, where you start to have some verbal abuse, you know, comes through, mm-hmm. some emotional abuse through. Um, you have even more subtle ones, which a lot yes. of people don't talk about. Yes. Things like contempt. Yes. Sarcasm. Yep. Those are relationship killers, which our society doesn't necessarily talk about a lot. And those dynamics exist in relationships, even relationships which which fit our traditional order. Mm-hmm. By that I mean even relationships where the man is the one being the breadwinner and the woman mm-hmm. is there. Those relationships still have those dynamics where one party or the other is verbally abusive or is emotionally abusive or is is displaying all these other dysfunctional um, attributes or features like contempt, sarcasm. You know, there's a lot of passive aggressiveness. Yes. Those different things are there. We have them in those relationships. And I think we have a society where it's almost like it's white and black. If it's if it's finished, it means it failed. Now, if it's yeah. still going, it means it's successful. Going doesn't mean it's successful. I mean, yeah. what marriage is. Yeah. And I believe there's a lot of people sitting in marriage that they should not be sitting in there. Right. Think of it. Think of it this way. Do you know how, like, think of how many people in our parents' generations who have been, they're in the same, under the same roof, but they sleep in different rooms. They don't even talk to each other and they've just been roommates technically just for the sake of the kids or for the sake of reputation. But they do not, interact romantically in any way possible and that's very rampant in in our parents generation you know just think about that those are all examples of marriages that are definitely not supposed to even exist honestly you know i mean a lot of the things that i have learned today as a person and as you know a partner stems from what i saw the dynamics between my mom and my dad you know so a lot of people they tend to stay in marriages for the children but then they forget mm-hmm. that the children are the spectators the children are watching you know the children are seeing what's going on they think that oh just mom and dad being in the same roof is enough for kids but it's way deeper than that it's way deeper than that and whatever you normalize in your household will most likely be normalized in your children's household and then you find someone that certain things have been normalized in their household going to you know, procreate with another person who also comes from their own dynamics. And then you just have this, you know, this concoction of toxicity, you know, that's, you know, and then it destroys everything. But then again, you have two people who do not even know how to be themselves, talk less of being a partner, you know, and then you have like grown people, grown men and women in their 30s, 20s, 40s, still having 
that little 16 year old boy or girl in them because they're trying to find their way. You know, as teenagers, we make a lot of mistakes, right? Because we're trying to figure out life. We're trying to see what works for us and stuff. But it's like, we really don't have that orientation as much in our communities growing up that we now try to figure out all of these things on our own, but then we don't have any guidance. We don't have any orientation. And then we just end up messing things up. The only thing we can rely on is how we saw our parents do it. And just because they're our parents doesn't mean that they did it right, you know, but then that's our only example. And then we come together and then we have this toxic environment that we don't even know how to handle. And of course, you know, it never ends well for the most part. And this is collective, you know, because especially in our African communities, I feel like our generation, we we tend to, I actually have an episode about that too. We tend to divorce more than our parents' generation. I don't even think because we can't handle, you know, we can't handle hardship or something. I think we are pro, our generation is probably one of the most, one of the toughest generations ever because we have experience both sides pre and post like you know social media and all this technological advancements you know but then again it's like we we just are trying to figure this thing out earlier we're trying to not make the same mistakes that we saw our parents make that's just how i look at it and also most of us don't even know what we're getting into and we rush to get into just because we're trying to fit that picture of society like oh i want to be married as my friends everyone is getting married i want to get married or you feel that pressure from the parents like oh get married get married get married when are you getting married and then you're just trying to do it so you get that pressure out of you, you know? So there's so many factors to unpack in this conversation. And I'm really glad that you're opening them up and also opening up my mind because I'm really having a lot of realizations as you speak and also about these topics, which I would like for us to actually dive deeper into as the conversation progresses. Great. Absolutely. Look, I mean, you've touched quite a few things there. From my point of view, I mean, there was never any pressure. I never had any pressure of getting married. You know, it was entirely my decision as to when I felt I was ready to get married. I mean, it wasn't the case of others getting married, so I needed to. I felt I was ready. I thought I was ready, honestly. Right. You know, but, uh, you know, looking back now with what I know now, and things that have happened, I, I know for a fact that I wasn't really, you know, completely ready. And of course, our generation, I think, especially coming from Cameroon, we, we had a bit of a disadvantage in the sense that we... The information age was just beginning, if you yeah. ask me, and we were not necessarily as exposed. Exposed, yeah. As, you know. And so living in Cameroon, for instance, there's just a lot I didn't know. But when I got to the UK, it, it, it changed my mind. It opened my mind. I, I just started seeing life way differently from different perspectives. And, and and I kind of, I guess with that, I made some assumptions, you know, about what I thought would be the ideal, you know, marriage setup that would work for me and, and work for my uh, ex-wife, you know. Mm-hmm. We didn't necessarily have certain kinds of conversations that we should have, mm-hmm. you know, looking back now. Um, and even if we had had them, I don't think we would have had them uh, the way it should have been based on the kind of knowledge I have now. And so the thing that we must now start to realize as an African community is that there's a lot of dynamism in, 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 in generations, right? We, we have, whether rightly or wrongly, we've chosen a certain path to what we call development, which is copying what the Westerners have you know, brought to us. And, yeah. and whether we like it or we don't like it, it's shaping a lot of you know, things that we do and, and a lot of our beliefs. Our culture, it doesn't exist anymore. If anything, it's a hybrid. Mm-hmm. And so 
in trying to stick to certain aspects of it and not sticking to some, it's not serving anyone. Ultimately, individuals must begin to realize that it takes personal growth. Mm-hmm. Have to seek that knowledge. You know, it's not going to be, yeah. no way. You have to find that knowledge on different, you know, areas of personal growth, which I hope we'll talk about shortly, um, which for me, I feel that are things that are important to be able to navigate the kinds of dynamics that the modern marriage you know, present. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because no matter how you look at it, no matter how you put it, we have all kinds of dynamics now. Even people that go into the so-called traditional way of African marriages still having challenges. I mean, these are, these are relationships where traditionally dysfunctional men have been led to get their way. Yeah. Because they bring in the bacon. Yeah. Just because they bring in the bacon. I mean, the question is, is that enough? Yeah. Just bringing the bacon is not, a, you know, there's a lot more to being a husband, or being a father, or being a man than yeah. just bringing bread. There is a lot more emotional intelligence and so the support that's required from you, the ritual guidance that's required from you. There's a lot of presence that you should be there. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking about learning from parents, but were they really present? You know, yeah. Really intentional. Yeah. <laughs> really intentional mm-hmm. to pass on whatever they felt was the right kinds of values to the kids. Mm-hmm. A lot of families didn't have that, you know? And and so people just take things that society has kind of passed through as a way of doing and say that that's what is African. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we need to start to challenge those and go, no, what is really African about? And even if it's African, was that really the right thing? You know, there's a lot of things that we call African, which is not even right. Yeah, that's true. So, so the ability to start to ask those questions and challenge those things can only happen if individuals start to take their own personal growth seriously and, and do the work that's required to get to the right mindset mm-hmm. to start to challenge this. Because otherwise, we are going to have a lot more divorces. And and if you ask me now, <laughs> the idea that a divorce is necessarily a bad thing is not always true. Yeah, <laughs> it's not always true. That's very true. I mean, our, our society has demonized the aspect of divorce, right? And there are some instances where divorce is actually a necessity. They're not, you know. Exactly. And, you know, divorce is obviously not a good thing, like in terms of nobody wants to get married with the hopes of divorcing, right? But there are certain situations, we're humans. And sometimes we end up realizing that, hey, this thing was, it's not working. This thing was not what I thought it was because sometimes hindsight, like they say, is 2020. You know, there's certain things that you're getting into and you don't really, you're not aware or you don't have that discernment to, to, to really evaluate and see if this is the right thing for you. And then you only realize either when you're already in it or when you're out of it, you know. So in certain circumstances, divorce actually is necessary for your sanity, <laughs> for sure, you know. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So, so that's the thing, right? So the way I see it now is I'd rather people get divorced than stay in dysfunctional marriages. And I don't care whether there's abuse in it or not. It doesn't right. usually have to be abused. Right. Honestly. I think that it, it takes a lot of courage <laughs> to divorce. That's okay? true. In our, in our community. Oh, yeah. Knowing fully that there's going to be all kinds of, there's been a barrage of, 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 of people poking their noses and trying to tell you what you should have and shouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. You know, who necessarily understand the full dynamics. We were not there from the beginning to the end. They know nothing about what really went down. Mm-hmm. And yet they want to tell you what you should do. I think we, we, we have a lot of that in our community. And it takes courage right. to get to a point where you, say, you know what? It probably is not working. It doesn't look like it's ever going to work. And, yeah. you know, maybe we are better off apart. Right. Because... 
just right for the sanity of both persons and is also just right for the kids. It's true that's challenging for kids because society creates the perception that it has to be this unit. Mm-hmm. And so they're seeing their other friends, yeah. you know, being in that and they are not so of course that's yeah. a dynamic that one wants for kids and it's challenging to handle but you know what it's a better situation to be divorced than to stay in a dysfunctional marriage and pass on the wrong things to kids right you're potentially better off separating and finding the right ways to cooperate right that's very true and again when they grow up they're going to understand why certain things happen and they're going to thank you for that more than if you stayed there and you know yeah but let's let's get back to the story right <laughs> there's so much to talk about right so let's get back to the story now when you you know before and after or during when you moved to South Africa and stuff like were there i mean you had already mentioned about those red flags but Were there any moments that you second guessed yourself? Like, you know, I mean, that's before you finally made that bold and courageous decision to divorce. Like, were there any moments that you were like, what the heck did I get myself into? Yes. And I, and I literally put it like you just asked. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, 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 it, and it wasn't, it wasn't even like many years after, you know, it was more like... <laughs> a few months in and I was like, what did I do? And, and, and I guess there is the, the, it wasn't necessarily that there were a lot of bad things. It was just, there was just a sense that there was, we just couldn't be able to, I don't know, resolve conflicts, uh, you know, in a satisfactory manner, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, most, uh, you know, call it what, mature way you know yeah. where you really you know address the issues uh, i think again that that comes that brings us to a point around how do we necessarily manage conflict in our society right yeah people think that running away from conflict or avoiding conflict means mm. managing it it's not right yes. you need to be able to face the conflict yes be willing and able to have the conversations in the heat of the moment or if you can't do it in the heat of the moment you back out give yourself a breather come back a couple of days or hours after and try and find a consensus and 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 those are skills and those are skills that yes. we were never taught communication skills yes yeah we never taught those skills in school we never taught them at home society doesn't talk about them and now all of a sudden you are required to apply those skills yeah now it doesn't help even if one party is able to do it yeah but the other party is dysfunctional yeah and it's both parties to be able to understand those kinds of dynamics so you start to so those things you start to find you can resolve conflict you know and when conflict starts to accumulate yeah then it starts to have other you know implications you start to disconnect intimacy becomes an issue yeah there's just all these different things that begin to fit in yeah and and all of that is is where in the mind. In the mind, yeah. All of playing in the mind. Now, you start to, to see dynamics which, um, you know, very unhealthy communication patterns where someone makes an assumption about what they think you are thinking mm-hmm. and, and it's not what you're thinking and you're going, no, this is not what I'm thinking and they go, well, that's what you're thinking. Right. And, and I see that, you know, in different other relationships, not only in marriage, you know, yeah. and people communicate like that and it's just dysfunctional. It's not yeah. unhealthy. And if it accumulates, then it gets to a point where I start to, to lose my mind. I start to go, I feel like I'm not myself anymore. I feel like I'm going insane. Yeah. But all of that's happening within the context of 
we cover everything up, right? So marriages, yeah. we say, like, that's one of the advice they give you when you're getting married. Everything is covered. It's happening in the home, in the bedroom. That's yes. where all of that's happening. Yes. Is there just Don't talk it. about it so, elsewhere. <laughs> and so once you step out of the house, it is a very glorious marriage. marriage. I mean, everybody's yes. <laughs> smiling people and all of that. So there's no way that every anyone outside yeah. would have been able to think that anything was not, going on not yeah right. and it's it's like yeah. living two lives it's literally living two lives and you know that's one thing that i am particularly terrified to do because i know for sure i'm such an extrovert i could tend to i'm i'm an introvert extrovert or whatever they call it but more of an extrovert and if i have a problem you're going to know about it <laughs> there's no way i can't cover it you know i mean one of my greatest fears is to live a double life like those are one of my greatest fears, you know? Yeah. I mean, you don't have to show the whole world that you guys are fighting, you know, like you don't have to be giving attitude to each other and stuff like that in public and making and be dramatic per se in public. Yeah. But again, you don't want to paint this false ideology of a perfect marriage in public. And then, you know, from painting that you make other people look up to you. And then when push comes to shove, and things don't work out, a lot of people will be disappointed. Like it it messes up people's expectation and ideology of marriage. And it actually affects people, the people that look up to you. You know, that's one of the reasons why I tend to get extremely cautious, especially, you know, flaunting marriages on social media. It's a very, very sensitive, Mm -hmm. very, very sensitive thing for me because you can, you know, it's not like you're trying to be anybody's role model, but people look at you and automatically assume you to be their role model. Like, oh my God, they're always so happy. It's like people forget that you show them like 1% of what goes on behind the scenes, right? And, you know, but they take that 1% and put it on a pedestal and they just assume that that's the relationship 24 seven, you know, without room for error or room for just being human. And, you know, that's, that's, that's something that, you know, those are one of my greatest fears. Like I was saying, just living those, that double life. And that's something that is very rampant in our community because who wants people to feel like, Oh, their marriage is going down the drain. No, everybody wants to make it look glorious and stuff like that, you know? And from what you were saying, I would only imagine that was probably more frustrating for you behind the scenes because or even in front because i mean you guys have like lingering problems over your head and then you have you're forced to go out there and like put up a facade like put up a you know a front like hey this is us we're you know we're we're perfect and then you go back home and you probably don't even sleep in the same room <laughs> i know right it wasn't necessarily a question of trying to be perfect i think it was just a question at least from my perspective it was a question of you know, taking advice that you had been given from the beginning to say, hey, you know what? And that's something they do in our communities, right? They tell you from, you know, when you're getting married, they give you all the advice and, you know, you have to cover up things and just make sure you guys try and resolve them at home, no involvement mm-hmm. of third parties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you, you, you know, you literally shut down, you shut the door off, everybody's out. And it's just the two of you. So, of course, you can't, I'm not one to wear my problems on my face. There's no way, never, yeah. ever you'll be able to, that I have an issue, like, yeah. unless I really... And I can have a conversation with you. Right. But other than that, I, um, but I didn't feel like it was a question of pretending per se. It was just a question of this is a this is not an ideal situation. How best should I handle it? Right. And I certainly don't 
carriages and put it out there on the face or on, on the pedestal out there in public. Right. It's certainly something that I hope we can be can be resolved, you know, internally. Right. The two of us should be mature enough yeah. to be able to resolve them. Right. And 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 you also hope that with time, you know, as you get to know each other better, mm-hmm. you may be able to, you know, resolve. To, some yeah, of resolve things. and adjust to yeah. Yeah. Again, come back to the personal growth side because it's only two people that have a certain level of emotional intelligence uh, and maturity mm-hmm. will be able to have those conversations and get to a point where it's satisfactory for both of them. So, unfortunately, we couldn't do that. So, right. ultimately, you get to a point where you, you know, you feel like, hey, you can't keep doing this. You can't. It just it's not working. Right. Um, I'm abusing myself, you know, you know, yes. she probably felt the same, you know, she yeah. probably felt the same. And and ultimately um, there was a separation, right. Yeah. Uh, where she had to travel and lived in another country. And during that separation, that's really the time when, you know, I had to really leave with yourself <laughs> and, and, and really think through things and go, what is going on here? I mean, you know, by then there were two kids, of course. So obviously that complicates the equation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the idea that you should just hang in there for the kids, of course, that would cross your mind. You know, mm-hmm. it did cross my mind at times. The idea that, uh, of course, family as well, be going, you know, mm-hmm. what's going on. Of course, there was also the idea that uh, some of the things could just be resolved with time yes. when certain forces that we are potentially you know, impacting change mm-hmm. but ultimately i guess you know we got to a point where uh because of the separation or the distance we kind of just like okay you know what let's call it quit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i'd imagine you know when you were talking about you know they didn't really talk you know the message that is being given to the bride and groom from the start right you know i was also thinking i was like i never hear anybody say if you guys have problems seek therapy I never hear that. You know, they're always like, oh, yeah, resolve your problems in your household. But what about, hey, if you can't resolve it in your household, seek therapy. You know, like I feel like that phrase should be added to everything that they say, like on the wedding, especially the traditional wedding day. You know, like all those aunties advising they should say, seek therapy. Because, I mean, I have gone to therapy and prior to, in fact, therapy gave me a, a, a certain level of humility that I never, ever thought you know, because it made me realize that I don't know crap. Like b- prior to therapy, I, I was like, that. oh, yeah, yes, I know this. And this is how this is supposed to be. And then when you sit on that couch on the first day and this therapist literally and when I'm talking about a psychotherapist, you know, yeah, when they and counselor, basically, when they sit and they ask you certain questions, it gets you thinking and you're like, crap, this is. This is crazy, you know, and then it's like one thing about therapy as well. And, you know, that contributed towards my growth, with which I'm still in the process of growing is I realized that we all have personal traumas that we have no idea about personal traumas that we have gone through since when we were young. I don't care how perfect your family is, but just certain dynamics of our African community actually lead to certain traumas that we carry around with ourselves because they mold our ideology of how life should be. And trauma doesn't only have to be something that hurts you. It's just even something that impacted you without you even knowing an event that you were impacted by, you know, which kind of 
conditioned your mentality. And then when you yes. grow up and find yourself in a certain situation, especially with respect to a relationship, that trauma pops up. And then you find yourself reacting to an event or something that you don't even know where that reaction comes from. And then when you sit on that couch with a therapist and they're asking you all those questions that takes the questions take you back even way back when you were a little kid. And then you start answering these questions and you realize like, oh my God, maybe I was acting this way because of this thing that happened to me 50, 11 years ago, you know? All of us are dealing with traumas that we have no idea about. Absolutely. I, I think I, I like the point you just brought up around the, you know, the therapy and, 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 you know, maybe comparing that with our typical African setting. I think there is a mechanism, right, which we have. Uh, generally speaking, people go to the parents or, or, you know, maybe some elderly uncle or dad, you know, to try and resolve certain conflicts if they get to a certain point. Um, but for the kinds of dynamics that we had, um, given that, of course, we were not even in Cameroon, right? So there wasn't necessarily people you could just go to, yeah. you know, and start to have those conversations. I mean, there is a, we had a family church, which you could, you know, we are part of, and you could argue that, you know, we could go there, but uh, it's not the same. So so yeah. there is a certain mechanism that, you know, back home, people can go to the parents and then try and resolve issues. And if that doesn't work out, but even if we had that, I think, for the kinds of things we're talking about, given mm-hmm. how sophisticated the, the sound, um, it probably wouldn't have worked because yeah. we're talking some very nuanced things, right? Which you don't necessarily expect, you know, our mothers to to to, to know how to articulate them. So we had that. We did uh, try some counselling. Yeah. And unfortunately, when it started pricking into those very, very, sensitive. very uh, sensitive questions, um, you know, you know, <laughs> she backed out. And uh, and then I went on. I carried on doing my therapy yeah. on my own occasion. And until today, I'm still in touch with my counselor. We still have lots of conversation. And I think that has significantly contributed to my growth personally, mm-hmm. or at least to my um, to the ability for me to just, you know, rewind and meditate and reflect on the whole, you know, experience, because that's how I call it, the whole experience. Mm-hmm. And, and recall is the various areas of growth and the, the things that I could have done differently. Yeah. Of course, you know, the things that I could have done differently to try and, you know, mitigate some of the situations, they probably would not have worked, but at least I should have mm-hmm. held my end of the back end to, you know, to a certain point. And we all have that, you're right. We all have that. And it comes back to the question about how much do we really know ourselves? Yeah. And and people go through things, you know, all kinds of things. I mean, today we are reading all kinds of, um, we're hearing about, the kinds of abuse that kids, you know, went through at homes. So yes. Talking some sexual abuse. Oh well, yes. That kids went through at home, and so many different things, or, or previous relationships where things didn't necessarily work out. And and yes, we 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 empathize or sympathize with the people that go through those kinds of experiences. But what we don't recognize is how much it really impacts them mentally. Yes. Or how their mental health That's is affected true. by those experiences, and so. When they start to react to situations as opposed to responding, and we are potentially in our own dysfunctional position, we are also reacting yeah. as opposed to responding, mm-hmm. you know, it just creates a toxic environment. And yeah. there's no way you can off anything in that kind of setup. So, and we have a, those kinds of dynamics happening in a lot of marriages. And the only thing that's keeping them is that, well, society expects them to expects, be together. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. 
That is, I mean, you, you, you put it, you put it really well. And, you know, let me just give another example of a kind of trauma, because, you know, for us in our community, when we say trauma, people think it's like an impact or something. Well, it's an impact, but not necessarily like a physical impact. It's not like a, you know, it could be from an experience. It's not, it doesn't have to be painful, but it could be from an experience. And I mean, what I technically, I mean, I may not allude to trauma to exactly to what, you know, a professional will, but this is just based off of my own language, my layman's language by what I mean by trauma. Like, you know, in our community, it's very common for kids to be silenced. And what I mean by that is you don't talk, you don't speak up, you don't express yourself. If you express yourself, you're going to be looked upon as disrespectful. You don't talk to your elders. You don't, some households, they literally hush you. If you even want to talk back, they give you a beating. Like, so it's like when that happens, you know, you're grooming kids to be adults who do not communicate, who do not speak up, right? So when they're in relationships and things happen, they just box it in because that little girl or little boy in them was not encouraged to speak up. And then they start having silent expectations in the relationship, but they don't express what they want from the relationship because they don't want to look be looked upon as being confrontational or they don't even just want to be disrespectful right because speaking is equivalent to being synonymous to being disrespectful you know so it's just a matter of time we're all humans we can box things up for too long and then when everything wants to come out it's like you would discover that this person had issue with what you did 10 years ago and they never ever said it and they just kept keeping it and everything kept adding up and adding up and then it explodes you know now this is a trauma this is based up this is literally a reaction to the trauma that you experienced growing up because you were never ever told to to speak up and whenever you wanted to even say something or maybe there was a time you wanted to speak up and they silenced you to the point that they just silenced you forever and you just did not want to speak you know and communication i have come to realize that communication is such a big factor in relationships everything what it has to do with intimacy what it has to do with finances what it has to do with even raising kids it boils down to communication you have to let each other know how you feel let each other know what to expect let each other know how things are done like if you don't communicate nothing is going to go well basically you know that's at least that's my small lesson that i learned especially from therapy and that's what i'm working on i mean I would, I, I, I can get paid to talk. I talk and, t- and talk and talk, you know? <laughs> so. The interesting thing about this, this, this conversation is that I also get paid to talk. I do talk. You see, one of the things, but maybe I should bring that in here because that would help. I mean, one of the things I do, of course, as a special financial advisor, I do, you know, talk to a lot of couples one-on-one, you know, getting into their personal financial affairs. And, and a lot of these things we're talking about, you know, you can, you can sense them because money is one of those areas in marriage where, it's, it's tricky and, it, you know, it brings out so many different elements. So I am very used to talking to different people from all walks of life about their finances. And so I get into their personal space. And so I have these conversations a lot. I talk, I have a lot of divorced women as my clients. I have a lot of divorced men as my clients. Of course, I have a lot of couples, older ones, younger ones. It's just yeah. about every life stage. So I am very exposed to mm-hmm. To, to the kinds of dynamics that people would not necessarily talk to most people about because they talk to me. They yeah. either, talk either to their doctor or to me. You know, most of the time they talk more to me than to their doctor anyway because money is critical yeah. for everyday living. And so some of the things I'm sharing, it's also when I go into those meetings, and have those conversations, I then come back and reflect 
on my own life and go, okay, so, you know, what's happening here? What's going on? And, and, and you talk about communication. So, you know, we hear all the time that communication is important. Everybody agrees that communication is important. But what we don't hear often is it's not just about communicating. It's about healthy communication. Healthy communication, what? yeah. Healthy communication. Emotional intelligence. Exactly. The whole question about the timing of the conversation, the tonality of your voice, you know, the pitch, just just your body language. There is a lot of things that come into communication. And for someone like me who has had a lot of training uh, or sales training, right, on psychological training around influencing mm-hmm. people, I'm fortunate to be able to, to understand these things and i try to bring them into you know my, my way of communicating you know i try to think before i speak i try to respond rather than reacting you know but you always you're, you're human right you get to a point where boom before you know it, you're you're going back yeah. to before which is reacting yeah. is of responding but you keep trying you keep trying but it doesn't help if you're just the one doing it and the other party is not doing that right it's still not resolve things yeah. and so it's important that men and women from our community start to recognize this and start to find whatever it takes to go learn how to communicate properly. Right, right. It's so critical. It's not just for marriage. Yeah. There's a whole lot of other things that don't work in our community because we don't know how to communicate. Yeah, yeah. That's very true. You know, like from a lot of my the podcast episodes, one thing that has stood out is the careless talk that's very rampant in our community. Like, I don't even care what the topic is. And I'm sure you probably must have even experienced that with the community. That was going to be my next question. But like in a lot of episodes and a lot of people that I have spoken to, a lot of things that they tell me in terms of like what people told them during the situation that they were in. And they just say it in a joking way, right? It's always a joking way. Like, oh, why are you doing this? Or why, you know, they, they never mean it. But then it's not, it's not a joke. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like we talk in a very uh, careless way in our community because we expect the other person to think that is a joke. But it usually is not a joke. It, it hits a spot somewhere. And that's one thing that I always beg our community for, for them to show empathy while speaking. Like, yeah. how will you yeah. feel if someone told you that? I still learn that myself. I mean, I'm not trying to be perfect, you know, because I, I, I tend to be a straight shooter. But sometimes I don't know when to you know, tone it down a little bit and be a little bit politically yeah. correct, as they call it, you know, because I literally just say what it thinks for what they are and I move on. But sometimes some people may need a little bit of pampering depending on their situation, you know, before you communicate with them and they would take it. But if you just go boom, 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 they're going to just put that defensive front, you know, like, hey, don't come at me like that, you know. So I have to learn that as well. And that's something that I'm a work in progress. Um, But it's it's a we tend to really talk very loosely in our community. And that's one thing that I really tend to, you know, I, I really beg of our people to not overdo it or not do it at all. Just be mindful of what you say and have that emotional intelligence like we had mentioned before. Now, how, you know, when you were going through this, um, I know they told you not to to keep everything indoors, but like, I mean, there'll be some wise men and women out there who probably will realize that, okay, something is going on. Now, how did the community, while especially, you know, before and and during you went through the divorce, how did the community react to what you were going through? And like, what were your greatest fears in the process? Yeah. So it was, it was a very interesting dynamic, right? So for the kind of person that I am, uh, which is 
I mean, I can talk from here to tomorrow, but I can also be, I can also know when to keep my, keep to myself. And especially when I'm out there and people don't necessarily know how to approach me. So the thing that wasn't normal was the separation. So when the separation, I mean, up to the separation, you know, there's no way anybody could have thought anything was wrong. Just, just, just no way. Not even my family. Like they didn't know anything. Mm -hmm. Like not once did I, did a call that I needed to, to talk to them about anything. Yeah. Um, um, and so the community didn't know what was going on. I mean, they knew that, you know, the marriage was going fine. Pastor was shocked, you know. Mm. Um, but when, when the separation happened, um, obviously one, two years, because we separated for almost three years before we finalized the divorce. Mm -hmm. um, during that time, I guess that's when, you know, some people begin to wonder what exactly is going on. Especially because I was, you know, with one of the boys in South Africa. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and, and then she moved to another country. So, so, but there, there hasn't really been much, um, I haven't given anyone <laughs> the right. chance to try and say anything to me. It hasn't right. happened. People have suggested or made statements, you know, behind the scenes, but no one has necessarily been bold enough to come to me and go, hey, what's going on? What happened? Right. Not not, 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 not in the community. So not even South Africa, not in Cameroon. There was just a handful of, you know, one or two people that, you know, like the counselor who was away and the pastor that was away. Um, and, and that was it. Right. And that was managed like till the separation, till the divorce itself was finalized. Uh, ultimately families were, you know, were informed <laughs> to shock you <laughs> with my family. It was no more than a 30 minute conversation. Hmm. And it's been like that till today. So, you know, I've had a lot more conversation with you. With me, yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know if I'm honored for that <laughs> because it's not the most exciting conversation, right? So well, like in terms of, you know, it's it's not a it's not like something to be happy about divorce as a whole. Now the dynamics behind it, you know, that's different. But just the topic of the if this was like what, a graduation or you know, or an achievement yeah. at work or something, you know, like it would have been more exciting, you know, but then this is well, no, rather no, no, educational. Right? Huh? Let me make it exciting. Well, how about we celebrate my growth? Right. So definitely. Yeah. Uh, that's what I was going to just say. Like, this is rather educational and really just a celebration of your growth, you know, as a person. And that's very admirable, honestly, you know, so that's if the audience notices, we actually, most of this conversation is focused on lessons than even, you know, what happened or who did what or whatever. You know what I mean? Like we're more of like pulling out those lessons, those life and personal lessons and realizations from the experience as a whole, basically, you know? So now, I mean, I'm not sure how the divorce process, how long it took because divorce is usually not easy per se, you can be married for one day and divorced for a year, like the process in terms of the process. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I mean, how did the whole thing go through, especially when kids were involved in terms of like custody and you don't have to go into details. I must add, you know, but um, what were your greatest struggles throughout the process? And um, was there any moment that really just frustrated you and broke you, not really broke you down, but just brought out the human in you? Yeah, um, look, being a financial planner, divorce is something that we are trained to be able to deal with, right? For others, of course, being right. a 
deal with for ourselves, but you're trained nonetheless to to understand, you know, different marital regimes and their different implications or, you know, in the event of death or in the event of uh, divorce. So nothing was necessarily um, a, a shock to me because I was very, very familiar with those things. Um, the process itself, the legal process was a bit cumbersome being, you know, happening in South Africa and being classed as a as an international divorce, you know, uh, one party not, you know, being present. Uh, COVID yeah, came in COVID. as well. Yeah. And there was, you know, there wasn't the need for physical presence in court. Uh, there was a virtual hearing, you know, one party had to be served and the other. But I think the South African legal system is quite, quite lax when it comes to divorce. They are not... Um, they are not the most cumbersome to deal with, honestly. I think, mm-hmm. it, was, I think it was a very difficult process at all. Uh, one of the reasons for that is because we came to some kind of an amicable settlement mm-hmm. prior to court. There was a settlement agreement. And the most funny thing was obviously custody of kids, um, which which was, of course, quite, quite tricky. That was the only, only tricky issue for mm-hmm. uh, your kids. Uh, and of course, you know, the maintenance as well, but, you know, more more importantly, custody of kids. Um, so as, as soon as we were able to come to some agreement, because honestly, that's where I was like, you know, there's a voice. And I believe that it's important that a father is present in boys' lives. Yes. Uh, there was no girl. So I know that kids need both parents, but if you had to choose between a mother and a father in a case where they are just boys, I have a strong belief unapologetically about that, actually, that uh, you do need the father to be present in mm-hmm. your lives. And so I would know that that particular aspect, I needed custody. Mm-hmm. But of course, we know we have a legal system that can be favorable to women and can be all kinds of things. But um, ultimately, we, we had an agreement that I will keep custody of the kids. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not that they don't even talk about custody. They talk about um, primary residence, you know, so yeah. I have primary residence. And and um, and of course she has visitation rights, you know, during holidays and all of that. So um, so so it wasn't necessarily the most cumbersome legal process. Mm-hmm. I would have to that um, within uh, within once the settlement agreement was done, it took about six months for it to be finalized mm-hmm. in court. Okay. Yeah. So 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 I guess the, I mean the, the, there's a lot of dynamics around it, right? You know, the kids are currently in Cameroon with me, and uh, you know, do, do we work South Africa? There are so many different things there which I'm trying to fix. But but ultimately, I I think that that's something that we can talk about, right? In terms of lessons and, and challenging stereotypes, it's about the fact that why was it easier for me to, you know, it's one thing to say yes, I want custody of the kids. It's another thing to be able to to do what you need to do to to, to make sure the kids, you know, do grow up properly, do you know, get looked after properly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not about being macho and going, oh, no, I have to have custody of the kids because I'm the man. That, that was not the point. I think I've always been very hands-on, you know, in yeah. terms of my presence, in, in, in terms of the upbringing of the kids. And so it was an easier thing for me to to manage in terms of having, you know, primary residence of the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's something which I kind of learned very early on. I think back when I was like 12 years old, mm-hmm. I was already was able to cook for my siblings. <laughs> so, and you know how we grew up where, you know, yeah. those, uh, there's a younger younger sibling, you, you look after the younger sibling. So mm-hmm. from a handsome perspective, being with kids, I think I was, I was quite up there, I mm-hmm. have to say. Mm-hmm. And so it was an easier, easier thing for me to do. And, um, and honestly, I, I think from a mindset perspective, I had 
already arrived at a space where it was just like, a, this is the right thing. This is what I need to do. And I have to do what I have to do. If I, if it means I have to go learn something about whatever I need to do to take care of the kids, then I so be. Right. 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 So that's the mindset I was in. It wasn't about challenging stereotypes. It wasn't about being macho or anything. It was just, this is the right thing. This is what I believe is the right thing. This is what I am. Right. Right. Okay. Now, divorce process is over. In our community, right? Whether it be a divorce or a loss of a spouse, there's, you know, there is a double standard that exists and it's not even a silent double standard. It's very open, right? In fact, a few months after a man loses his partner, whether by divorce or by death or whatever, um, people are already asking like, you know, when are you moving on? What, you know, where's the woman? Where's the woman? Because they believe that is the woman's place to take care of the man. But now when it has to do with a woman, you know, if a woman moves on a couple of months after, or even a year or two after, oh my goodness, it's such a taboo. She's such a whore, I guess, or she's, you know, she didn't love her husband that much. She was just waiting to move on to the next man, blah, blah, blah. And funny enough, it still exists. That, that, I, that whole weird culture still exists in this time and age, you know? And I feel like this tends to give a lot of men in this situation. I will not, I'll exclude women because you are men. I really want you to speak on behalf of men and to men. It Mm -hmm. gives this man a lot of men the push to just be looking forward to the next relationship that's why you see it's easier for a man to have married like four or five times in our community for example or being with four different women than a woman being with many as many men but then again it's like the men i feel like some of these men don't take the time to be with themselves, know themselves and right their wrongs because a lot of them probably think, oh, it's a woman's fault. It's a woman's, like, the, you know, the egoistic attitude of our African men, some of them always, they, they don't even accept, they don't have the humility to accept that, hey, I probably took part in this or I was wrong somewhere or where, where did I go wrong that I can, you know, right my wrongs in the next relationship and things like that. And I'm very glad that that's what she did. You know, like other men. <laughs> well, just that was a, that was a joke. But I'm glad that that's what you did because I really want you to speak on that to other men to also enable them to take that pause in their lives and get to know themselves. Because believe me, there's no smoke without flames, or however they say it, or there's no flames without smoke, or whatever. But you know, when a divorce happens, I would, I would imagine that it did not only take one person for that divorce to happen. Maybe one person contributed more, but I feel like two people were involved, you know, in that process, like for for that process to happen, you know? And so I really want you to talk to men and also encourage them to, to tend to, to get to know themselves because I feel like with men, typically, especially with our African men, they it's hard for them to go to therapy. Maybe not even because they don't like therapy, but just African men don't open up. (laughs) They're not ones to open up. And in therapy, whether you like it or not, you will have to open up and probably break down at some point, you know? So I just want you to talk to them about what you did after that divorce process, like what it took for you to know what you know today and how life has been since then for you, especially as a single man. 
Mm, wow, that's a that's a mouthful, right? But certainly a very, very. Uh, I think that's the crux of the conversation. Honestly, for me, um, like I say, it's been. I think the last three years has been a lot of revelation, a lot of reflection, a lot of reading and studying and researching. Just because I'm one that goes, where did I go wrong? You know. Yeah. Not necessarily what did the other party do? What could I have done differently? What are some of the dynamics going on here? And I guess my my training as a social researcher, you know, helped in terms of how to find the solutions because I read all kinds of books on psychology. Um, I read, you know, human development. What does it really mean? I learned all kinds of things around communication. Uh, and I just took that time to really meditate. And, 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 and of course, you know, I had a counselor as well, you know, went through that counseling and, and it gets you to a place where you realize being vulnerable is not, uh, it's, it's, it's so important. Actually, yeah. I wasn't always vulnerable. So being vulnerable as a man is important in, you know, especially in intimate relationships, you need to be vulnerable uh, and it's not a weakness. It's not a weakness at all. It is a strength actually. Yes. And men need to know that, uh, you know, men need to know that it's okay to cry. Oh yeah. You need to know that it's okay to cry. That's true. And, 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 and the community needs to know that it's okay for a man to cry. Yeah. Absolutely. And men cry. They just don't do it in front of people. They do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and also, uh, but, but more importantly, men need to really be mindful. I think we all need to try and learn and practice how to be mindful. Yes. And, and what mindfulness does is that it makes you to be a lot more conscious about everything you do, every decision you make, even when you speak, what you say, you become more conscious, you become more measured into the, you know, the things you say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you ask about how my life has been. I mean, if I had made a decision, I've made a decision that the boys have to be with me. What does that mean? That means I can't, I cannot just be seen to bring another woman, you know, maybe your girlfriend, mm-hmm. Just bring them in, you know, and the boys, you know, see me one today, maybe, you know, one, another one. few months after. Yeah. One. That cannot happen because just because you've made certain errors or because certain things haven't worked out the way they should have, you mm-hmm. now cannot put that on the boys. You have to be mindful because kids learn by, they imitate, right? Yeah, they see example, yeah. So you cannot, and, and, and that's, that's something I've been very, very mindful about, you know, mm-hmm. you know, if I get into a relationship, I mean, unless I'm dead set that it's another woman I'm going to get married to, yeah. then no, I'm not introducing you to them. It's yeah. not happening. Yeah. It, it's a kind of discipline for that, you know, to, to do. Yeah. Um, you, you want to, men do need to get to that space where they understand that they are humans. Oh <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. And, and there are certain things that it takes to be a human. <laughs> you know, we all have emotions. Humans mm-hmm. have emotions. Men have emotions. We all have the same emotions that women have. Men yeah. have them. Oh yes, they just yes, they just men don't like showing. Them. Men don't like that vulnerable side, but women are more vulnerable, right? Yeah, yeah. women have been. It's easier for them to be vulnerable. They've mm-hmm. always been. Men, not so much. Societies putting putting all kinds of pressure on men, um, and 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 they can't be vulnerable like they should. Mm-hmm. They must learn how to do it. Um, ultimately, it's about personal growth, right? And, yeah. And no one is going to do it for anyone. People will have to take the time, just like just like a lot of men, or well, let me just say, a lot of men, a lot of us, you know, in our generation, and you know, we know. 
that if you're going to grow in your career, you have to put in the effort. You have to be disciplined, choosing, you know, how you grow, your career development, that is. Mm-hmm. The same thing has to apply in our personal lives. I feel like our community does not understand what it means by personal growth. Yeah. And what it takes. Personal growth involves so many different things and it needs to be deliberate. You need to yes. be deliberate about, you know, seeking counsel when you need to, seeking a mentor when you need to, talking to a lot of people, doing a lot of reading. Thankfully, there's a lot of resources on the internet these days. Mm-hmm. Read about non-human psychology. Understand things like empathy. What does it really mean to empathize? And how do you apply that in your relationships? Not just in marriage. because It's going to actually improve a lot of our relationships, partnerships in business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just friendships. We have to be, men have to be more mindful. Spend the time to to know themselves, to research and know about humans. I think we the one thing we don't do as a society is we haven't spent time to know what this complex person is. Yeah. The human being is a complex being. Mm-hmm. And we have and all those different um, areas that make a human being a human being. Mm-hmm. You know, what makes them cry, what makes somebody angry, what are the tickers, what are, you know, to all those different emotions, we have to spend time. Yeah. To uplift ourselves, to empower ourselves, spend time to learn how to communicate. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's like you said, people say a lot of things in fleetingly in passing, in joking, and you know, we just don't know where the boundary is. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of blurred lines. Mm-hmm. But we have to be mindful. Yeah. So I, I, that's for me, that's a key message that you know, a society where we need to learn to question things. Yeah. People have to be, you know, I can say a lot, right? People have to be, instead of being judgmental. Yes. They need Empathy. To be, Curious. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. If you're going to and you're being judgmental, then there's a lot that's going to just go wrong. But mm-hmm. if you're curious, then you begin to say, why is this person angry about this thing that I said? Yes. As and, and I feel like curiosity comes with humility. <laughs> You have to be humble enough to accept that you're ignorant of the fact and then curious. That will be your own. It's, it's not a reaction, but it's more of like that will be your own response. Like, OK, I don't know this now. How do I know it? Right. So it comes with a certain level of humility because you have to, first of all, accept that you don't know. And a lot of us, we always think we know it all. Right. <laughs> and that's why we I mean, tend to be judgmental. Humble, right. Yes. Right. I'm able to have these conversations because I was properly humbled, right? Right. You know, what they call, I've been properly humbled to the point where, I mean, I don't feel, you know, people can have their own impression about me, their opinion about me. It doesn't really irk me at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have the ability to be, to see through that and I don't agree with it and go, it's okay. That's what you think. Mm-hmm. Maybe it makes me empathize more to mm-hmm. say, I mm-hmm. can, I can understand why you're where you are. So it's okay. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. Not, my, yeah, that's true. My energy, right? Um, and so, yeah. So, so it's 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 amazing. Yeah, the way I feel right now, right? Because right. I feel very empowered. I feel very assured. I feel very in touch with myself. I feel like I have stronger relationships. I build very very good relationships with my clients and other business partners. I'm authentic. You know. Oh yes. Um, I'm just. There's a lot of things that I just do. Integrity, yes. honesty, those is just me. And, and, and so it's the easiest way to live life. Right, right, right. Honestly, you're talking and I'm just like, oh my God, that's where I aspire to be. You know, that's where I aspire to be. 
Yeah. Everybody, not just men, honestly, even for the women. It's, yes. it's that's what it takes to be human. Yes, that's then, true. You know, nothing bothers you. You know, people people get worked up on things they should not be worked up about. You know, people are dealing with all kinds of issues you just don't know. You meet somebody at the wrong time and you say the wrong thing, it triggers all kinds of things. People need to be more mindful. That's true. Mindfulness. That's the word, mindfulness. <laughs> Thank you. So, I mean, you, you, I think you just answered my next question because I was like, what has this whole experience taught you about yourself? You know, I mean, you've said a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's taught me a lot, right? It's taught me, um, it's taught me, it's taught me a lot about myself um, in terms of how resilient I am. Okay. Mm. As, a, as a human being, I'm very resilient. Um it's 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 it made me to recognize that nothing is nothing is guaranteed in this life, right? So, mm-hmm. um, getting to certain experiences, build relationships, you know, it taught me just you know a lot. Um, you know, it's made me to recognize value relationships, to 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 value humans, to to be more empathetic. Yes. Um, to, to people, uh, to be more patient with people. Um, we, we make a lot of judgments, you know, as a society, we, 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 we make a lot of assumptions as well, you know, people mm-hmm. judge, they assume, oh, yes. uh, they perhaps carry on, but it's taught me to be confident. It's taught me to be curious. It's taught me to be uh, confident. Like I, I can stand my ground. Yes. Even, no compromise unless when extremely when necessary. Exactly. Yeah. I know what the line is. And you cross the line, you know, I'll let you know. I'll mm-hmm. communicate that. Mm-hmm. I would, I'm more mindful about how I communicate it. Sometimes I'm not, but most of the time I am. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I try to be that. I try to be, um, you know, how do we put this? I try to be very careful with my words, you know, like being politically correct if I have to, but, <laughs> you know, but ensuring that I speak the truth. Yes. You know? and yes. I, I don't care whether you are, you're an 80 year old or 90 year old or you are, oh, yes. um, you know, because that's another thing in our society. We have a society where, where younger people try to ask questions to older people. Someone's as if you are being disrespectful. Disrespectful. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel like I'm being disrespectful. In fact, I feel like the other guy who is asking me why I'm asking the question is being disrespectful to me. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause they are disregarding your curiosity basically. <laughs> yeah. Why right. do you think I can't have an opinion on this? Yes. So I am that. I'm that guy who is not afraid to to, to face conflict in yes. any situation. Yes. Bring it on. Yes. I'll talk through it. I need to. Yes. If you want to really fight about it, I may walk away. But if it's really a matter of fighting, but I can't. Yes. It's a question of choosing not to. Yes, that's very true. That's, that's true. Power. That's powerful. Yes. You know, so Self-control, basically. Thank you. That's yeah. It. <laughs> yes. Well, so, thank you. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And, and I put all of that on the word personal growth. Yes, that's very true. Now, if you were to visit the situation, what will you do differently? Wow, that's a that's a big one, right? Uh, I don't know whether you're asking if I was going to deal with the same person or was going to deal with somebody else. <laughs> well, just in general, like if you, let's say you were never married before and you know everything that you know now, like what yes. will you do differently? Just a few things like what will you do differently when choosing your partner? Or you know what? Moving forward, let's not even take it back to when you were never married. Moving forward, right? If in your next marriage, like what will you do differently in terms of even making that decision to be with someone? 
I like, I like the way your question assumes that I will. Uh, <laughs> well, in case you will. <laughs> because I may not. Right. I mean, I, <laughs> look, I am in a space where I have to be uh, very true, true to myself. I mean, you know, personally, there are other things that I'm working and dealing with that I believe need to be sorted before I maybe want to really mm-hmm. fully get into another relationship. But if I was to do it again, uh, one of the things that I've learned, which I think we must, as a society, start to normalize, is the whole idea of mental health and, and oh, yes. emotional emotional maturity. Those yes. things are important for how humans interact with each other. Mm-hmm. That's something that needs to be tested, or at the very least, know what you're dealing with. And there are ways to do that. So mm-hmm. people need to find ways to do some kind of mental health check because we do a lot of other kinds of checks, medical checks, and all kinds of things when we're yes. getting married. Um, but we don't do that. That's one thing that I would definitely do differently. Definitely want to get that mental health checked on for both sides. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't assume that my mental health is necessarily <laughs> the right one. It can change any time, you know, you never know. Yeah. So I also have to do the test myself, but you know, this, this, the partner has to do it as well. Mm-hmm. Something else that I would do, like do very early on in, in courtship and all that would just be to really ask the difficult questions. And, 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 and sometimes probably push people to a certain point. And what, what do I mean by that? There's no other relationship that pushes you like marriage does, right? In terms of touching all the possible buttons that, you know, you can touch on a human being and mm-hmm. see how they respond. Mm-hmm. Courtship, the way it's done right now, in my opinion, doesn't do that. Yeah. And so we get married to people that we don't know. I don't care how long you get you do courtship for. Right, right. That's true. You really don't know the people you get married to because we cannot, it's hard to create the atmosphere and the environment that marriage creates. Mm-hmm. At the least, if you know it, you can try it a bit. At least I know it now, so I, I know what to try yeah. and to what limits. And, and, and just see how people react, you know, because it's so important. Because we get into a situation of courtship where everything is nice and, you know, there's the attraction and everything is lovey-dovey. And, and we don't get to deal with a lot of conflict and we, we think, okay, this is the best person ever and all that. And it's not about people being bad or good. It's just about people not being able to deal with certain situations. So. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to know whether they, you know, at least understand how they do, how they react to it yes. or respond. Yes. Then I know what I'm dealing with. Yes. That's something I would definitely want to do differently. Um, but other than that, in terms of some of the things I did and the dynamics around some of the stereotypes about, you know, who's working, who's not working, who's moving, who's not moving, all of those different things. I don't think I did anything necessarily wrong with those situations. Mm-hmm. And I will certainly still do them okay. if I have to. Okay. Ultimately, it's about two people creating what works for them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so they have to be sure what is it that they both want and how do they want it and all of that, and then agreeing and, and, and committing to, to make it work. Would I do divorce again? Because I guess... <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. Not because I want you to stay in something that, you know, you're not happy. I mean, based on our conversation right now, I feel like you know exactly where you are and what you want that probably divorce will be very far-fetched, hopefully. You know, I hope the person you meet, if you plan on marrying them, will also know who they are and what they want, you know. So I hope we don't, you know, talk about divorce. <laughs> well, let me put it this way. I'm human, remember, right? You are. And, and there are three things. There are three things that can happen in the future. And ultimately what it takes is this. You need to know what you need to do to make sure it doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, we need to be willing to do that. All of what it need it takes to not for it not to happen. Mm-hmm. I need to be able. Those three things need to come into play, right? Mm-hmm. The willingness, the ability, 
um, and of course they know how. Yeah. And and sometimes one could be missing. You never know. But I feel like maybe I have them. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Unlikely, but you can never vouch to the other party. So right. again, dynamics. But the thing is this. I am in a mindset, and I've seen that happen right with a lot of other a lot of people that have divorced before. There's always these statistics that show that once you divorce once, you divorce again, it's 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 possible. Mm-hmm. Because you become a lot less tolerant. Like you have patient your your, your threshold like it, is very low. Your patient. Nobody died, so <laughs> right. <laughs> you have very low <laughs> threshold. <laughs> Nobody died. So so why not again? But honestly, um, of course I would want to have another really solid relationship, be able to apply the things I've learned yes. and make sure that it's differently and make sure that it goes a distance. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, yes. people say marriage, there's no perfect marriage. I say, no, there are perfect marriages. What we don't have is we don't have perfect people. People. Yes, that's true. Perfect people who can come in and create a perfect marriage mm-hmm. because the, only, the, the marriage that is perfect is what works for, works for them. Yes. Perfect for them. Yes. 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 There's no perfect marriage that works for everyone else. Yes. But there's a perfect marriage that works for the two people involved. Yes. And so there is there are a lot of those out there. Uh-huh. We have to recognize that there are. Mm-hmm. These are people that would have done the work. Yeah. And sometimes maybe they haven't done the work, but they just happen to be in the same place. Yes. And but it works for them. Yes. And that's okay. Yes. So ultimately, they would define what, what success really is as marriage for them. And that's what I would do as well. And mm-hmm. uh, hopefully one that goes the distance, if at all, distance is one of the reasons why you would say successful. Right. But ultimately, it has to be one that is fruitful, uh, of course, pleaseful. It has yes. to be, because yes. otherwise, why are you doing it? And of course, it has to be even more growth. I yes. think people must recognize that the moment they have to add it, to you and not take growing. away. Yes. <laughs> Yes. I, I have potential for more growth. I, yes. I am, there's still a lot that I don't know, right? Yes. So, <laughs> so and, and I'll meet somebody else and different dynamics will come in, which I may have to go back again and go back to drawing board and try and learn some more around those. True. So um, people must recognize that getting married is just about growing. If you don't want to grow, don't get married. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's very true. <laughs> That's very true. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Now, what last words will you have for other African men who may or may not be in a similar situation? I want to leave this man empowered so they can come back and speak even more. <laughs> well, look, I think if you're talking about generally, not necessarily in relation to divorce, right? I, I think that as a society, more men just need to be able to be vulnerable. You know, yes. there's nothing... There's nothing uh, on Monday or week about being vulnerable. In mm-hmm. fact, it's a lot of it's courage. powerful. Yes, yes. And and there are certain situations that vulnerability would probably have resolved them. We we, we have a country where there's a conflict going on, mm-hmm. which you would, you know, it's probably managed by a lot of men. And, and if there was vulnerability in those men, they probably on both sides would yes. come to his, come to an agreement. Yes. Yes. And so men must just just get to that point where they can be vulnerable. Yes. Uh, that would be the parting shot for them. The other things, well, you know what? They should just, they probably need some counseling and all. And, and oh, say, yes. Don't good. we all? <laughs> but yeah, so that's, that for me is a parting shot, really. Yes. Oh, well, thank you so much, Edmund. Oh my goodness. This has been such a very empowering conversation, even for me. 
And I really hope that it does the same for our audience. I feel like these are the kind of conversations that we need to have on the regular, on the dinner table or in the barber shop, you know, things like this. I really think that these are the kind of conversations that we need to have and, you know, just stay empowering each other and empowering ourselves as well. You know, I wish you all the best in your personal growth journey. And, you know, I hope to learn a lot from you as time goes on, on or off the mic or on or off recording for this podcast. And I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to come and share your knowledge with us and your experience as well. And here's to all other African men. I hope that you guys can be like Edmund. So thank you so much and I will catch you in the next episode. That's it for today. Thank you for listening to our show. If you want to participate in the show or find out more helpful resources, then visit www.livingafricanpodcast.com for more information or email us at hello at livingafricanpodcast.com. Also, don't forget to connect with us on all social media platforms at Living African Podcast. You can also connect with Anyo directly on Facebook or Instagram at Anyo Fombard. Thanks again for listening and let's not forget to be more understanding and nicer to one another.